This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Do you like to sweat? Do you enjoy working out? Are you looking for new exercise or fitness ideas? Or are you simply interested in learning more about how to live a healthier lifestyle? If you're looking for information or resources on how to use exercise to improve your quality of life, then All About Fitness is for you. My name is Pete McCall, and I'm a fitness professional who's been educated in training personal trainers since flip phones and portable CD players were popular. I started this podcast to provide a source of reliable information about how to use exercise to help you live your best life possible. Just because we're all getting a little older does not mean we have to give up our favorite sports or recreational activities. The main theme of All About Fitness is to feature the types of exercise that can slow down the biological aging process and to help you learn how to use exercise to be your personal fountain of youth. Welcome to episode 20 of All About Fitness. My name is Pete McCall, and I'm pleased to announce a new sponsor, Skills, S-K-L-Z, the maker of exercise products to help you reach your goals. Listen to the spot for a code that can save you 30%. That out of the way, I really don't like long intros, and I save my input on the conversation for the end of the podcast so I can feature more time with our guest. So if you want to hear a little bit of input about the conversation, keep on listening at the end of the interview. On episode 20, I'm thrilled to feature a conversation with one of my favorite people in fitness, Jen Sinkler. Jen is a blogger, studio owner, along with her husband, Dave Delanave, and fitness personality who is helping change how people exercise. For a detailed bio of Jen, you can read the bio from her website in the show notes. Some highlights of her background are being a former member of the U.S. Women's National Rugby Team. And that's why I'm a fan. Anybody that plays rugby, I'm, I'm cool with. She's been an editor for a fitness magazine. She is now currently a frequent sp- speaker at fitness conferences. And this is one of my favorites. She's one of the few women who's a regular content, meaning workout, contributor to the magazine Men's Health. During our conversation today... We talk about the benefits of living without a car, which I love, and that's one thing I miss about my East Coast urban lifestyle, the benefits of strength and conditioning, and specifically how her workout program has changed as she's gotten a little bit older. So without further ado, I'm going to go right into the conversation with Jen Sinkler, but first, a brief word from our sponsors. Active Motion Bar is the first resistance training bar where 30% of the weight is a moving mass. An Active Motion Bar can help you strengthen your fascia and elastic connective tissue as well as your muscle, which is important for staying injury-free during the aging process. Research has found that exercising with an Active Motion Bar can be up to 170% more effective than using traditional weighted bars. Active Motion Bar, let the resistance move you. www dot a c t i v motionbar.com vicor fitness is the maker of the new terracore which is a step bench balance trainer 
a multifaceted exercise tool combined into one single platform. Go to VICOREFitness.com to see the newest piece of equipment that will be taking the fitness industry by storm in 2017. Use the code AAF to save 20% on purchasing a TerraCore of your own. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Vicor Fitness. Better results from better products. Skills is a sponsor of All About Fitness. Skills makes products for all phases of the workout, from warm-up to speed, agility, strength, and most importantly, recovery. No matter what your fitness goal Skills has a product to meet your need. Use code PM30 for a 30% discount on your order. Skills, fitness and performance products. Be ready. www.sklz.com Sinkler today talking about uh, weightlifting, fitness, and everything else. So, Jen, give me if I can get a little bit of background from you about how you got started in in fitness and as a uh, as a trainer and coach. Where did you get your start? I got my start, I guess, on the rugby field. If I'm going to back it up way to the beginning. Um, while I played sports all year growing up, I absolutely loved fitness uh, in a competitive environment. And then I went to school for professional editing and landed at this health and fitness magazine. You know, fast forward a couple jobs later, a couple of magazines later, I ended up at that experience like magazine. And that was 2003. And I very quickly sort of became the, the fitness editor. And then later on went on to become the editorial director of fitness. And all in all, I was at the magazine for about nine years. And I realized that being a doc wasn't the same as being a writer and an editor and a trainer and being able to teach people the skills. And I realized that was a huge hole in my game. And in order to be good at my job, I needed to learn to teach people fitness. So I started going to all sorts of fitness conventions and certifications and really got into fitness from that side of things, from the teaching side of things, and loved it. And ended up, I I own a gym with my husband, David Bellinave. It's called The Movement Minneapolis. And my own online uh, fitness business as well. And now, just real quick, so you started out going to school for editing and writing? Mm-hmm. And so you weren't, you didn't, did you have an initial goal of you wanted to be a fitness editor or you just wanted no. to be a writer? I didn't want to be a writer. Actually, I went to school for professional editing and I knew that I wanted to be an editor. And I thought that what I wanted to edit was fiction. So I was really supposed to be a fiction editor, but then this, this opportunity came up at this health magazine and, and it, it just, it combined all of my interests and skills in a way that, uh, I had been waiting for Like that was because then, then I had this platform and that, to pick and choose the very best experts on all sorts of fitness topics and to get their take on it, to be able to pick their brain. It's incredibly educational and I value every moment of it. And that's because I think that's very interesting that you went and, and how do you know you want to be an editor? If you don't mind my ask, I just think that's I, I, I've heard of people wanting to be a writer and they've wanted to they've gone to school for English. And I've never heard you're the first person, Jen, I've ever heard saying I went to school because I wanted to be an editor. Yeah, it's, it's, it usually is from the other side. Yes, it's usually people want, they know that they have a voice and they want to have something to say and they like, they want their words out there. And I think that my, probably my greatest gift is that I'm a really good curator of content. Like I, I like being in charge of shaping an entire picture and a landscape and being like, here is who's worth listening to. And here's you know, and, and I can help people say, get their message across in, in a more clear way. And I think that that's, that's 
an overlooked skill, I think, sometimes, because, like, in, in our eagerness to, like, say, you know, get our message out there and, and say what we want to say, it's, like, you know, some people with really great information don't have the communication skills to be able to get that information out in a way that is digestible for, for a broader audience. And, and I really like being able to do that for people, for, for geniuses at what they do, um, but who can't quite get the right, you know, the tone, the... Uh, the context, the the entire story down. So, uh, well, I think in this day and age of instant everything, of instant content online, I think having that mindset maybe is why one of the reasons why you're so successful as a content developer yourself. Because oh, you. you, you've seen, but you, I've seen your name on a number of lists for, um, you know, kind of being being an influential blogger, influential writer. I think you're, you're uh, was it last year? That idea, um, I think, in idea recognized both you and Dave as up and coming leaders in fitness. And how does that I mean? How does that make you feel that you've you've taken your hobby now and turned it into a career? Is it something that you you set out on, or is it something fitness more just kind of happened? Yeah, you took your hobby of fitness and turned it into a career. It's funny. I guess I never really thought about fitness as a hobby. Like I, I do everything backwards, and so I was. You know, essentially, I guess, a, a professional athlete for, you know, for a short period of time, as much as you can make money playing rugby in the United States of America. <laughs> um, but I played for the national team for about 10 years. And so like fitness wasn't my like, oh, this is what I like to do in my spare time. It was it was a means to an end. And then I fall, fell in love with fitness afterwards, just like I didn't mean to become you know, a trainer and a, and, and a voice in the fitness community. I meant to become an editor. It happened backwards. And I'll be straight up honest with you, I kind of didn't mean to start a business like this was an accident. And I was very, very comfortable behind the scenes and being like, listen to this person, listen to this person. But you know, you, you gather this education, you start and you try so many things. I went, I went to so many certifications and, and so many workshops and, and so many, um, fitness events that I was like, I really like had, like, I was starting to really, you know, <laughs> come down with a strong case of the opinions. And so my, my skills with, with editing and with writing, uh, did end up coming in handy because then I, I did have this, the, the tools, I guess, that I needed to be able to convey my message properly. And I still though really value my role as a curator because I, I think that this gets overlooked a lot and we can talk about this more in depth or not. Um, this like abundance mindset is what really like leads to really good things in business and in life. And, and I'm still not afraid to go like, look at this person, look at this person. I don't act like I'm the end all be all when it comes to fitness. There are so many genius experts out there. And like, I still want to get the word out about what they're doing. And in fact, as a business, that's sort of the direction I've been heading lately. And I've been uh, positioning myself as a fitness publisher. And I've worked with coaches like JDB, who is my longtime co-coach at the Movement Minneapolis to write this powerlifting program. She did such a good job, and, and I was able to help put that together. I just published uh, an athletic an athleticism development program called Lightning and Thunder with Tim Moyer and Angie Brambley Moyer, who have a combined you know, 40 years of experience training elite athletes, actually everything from like youth athletes all the way up to Olympians. They are so good. They're the people I ask all these questions too. So I'm like, I, I like they, I can help you publish a program on this, on this topic. And we can you know, get the word out on the very best practices to more and more people. And so like, that's kind of the direction I'm heading. Like as well as, um, generating content myself, like I want to continue providing a platform for those 
I think, have an excellent message. And, and the program and, I'm working on next is, like, pretty outside of my comfort zone, but I'm very excited about it. Well, isn't that what you have to do sometimes, get outside your comfort zone in order to grow? I mean, that's a good mm-hmm. that's a good um, metaphor for fitness, right? Because if you're not getting outside your comfort zone, you're not going to stimulate any changes. Right. And, I mean, it's the same uh, thing in, like, every context, isn't it? And, and so with that, I mean, I always like to ask, I always like to ask the people I speak with on, on this podcast, what do you think people could be doing better in terms of their personal fitness programs? And in terms of like the general public out there who go to the gym, they make an effort to go to the gym. What do you think they could be doing better? I don't like to use the term what they're doing wrong, but what do you think sure. they could be doing better, more mindful to get more results from their, their fitness program? Well, I appreciate how optimistically you worded that question. First of all, uh, me on by the way I don't think I've actually said that explicitly yet I really appreciate this I I've been a longtime fan of yours and, and what you do and, and I think that we share a skill set oh, in, uh, in providing information that's solid from a wider range of sources well, I appreciate that, and I always like I, like I was saying earlier before we started recording. I always point to you as an expert when I, I come across women at the gym who I see lifting iron because I think it's much better to to have X chromosome kind of work with other X chromosomes because guys we have a tendency to say yeah we do it our way and we're not as mindful about this. But I really appreciate I really appreciate the kind words. Yeah, maybe. I think, I mean, everything comes down to individual, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, because I think I see a lot, of, and I've worked in, as a trainer at a commercial gym for a long time, and you see guys, I've seen so many guys approach women as, yeah. it, it, you know what I'm talking about. And so anytime I, I do that, it's more of like, hey, you're interested in that. I see you doing something really cool. Did you know this resource is out there kind of in this area of interest? Don't let mm-hmm. me tell you what to do. Let another, you know, let someone else's walk the path kind of guide you down that road well i really appreciate you sending people my way i i do i i work very hard to keep that trust and i will continue to work hard to keep that trust so with that what do, you, what do you think people could be doing better what do you well, think people could be doing better i know that you've heard of katie bowman i know it nutritiousmovement.com is her website uh she is she is a genius in what she does and she's she covers all sorts of topics um from pelvic floor to overall health and she, this nutritious movement concept, I think is really interesting. And she basically suggests that we move, become perpetual motion machines, I believe what, what she calls them. Like she points out that like not all exercise is, 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 or that all exercise is movement, but that not all movement qualifies as exercise. And she encourages people to like sort of stretch, dance, foam roll, squat, do a handful of push-ups, like sway in your chair, you know, stand and type and again like to that perpetual motion machine i think that we get stuck in this sort of all or nothing mindset and that always sets us up for nothing my friend joe coleman says that a lot she's like all or nothing always ends up being nothing so i think that that concept of like just keep it moving and 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 count it you know that that's that's one thing that i think people could be doing better the second thing may sound contradictory but i I don't see it as being that way and that's when it comes to your fitness specifically not not just your movement that progressive overload matters doing a little bit more in some capacity every single time you work out whether it's how heavy the weight is or how many reps you perform or how quickly you complete that work um, that's how you make progress with regard to fitness and you have to teach your body that has to be able to do more the very next time and I think that's, and I think a lot of people, because that's what the research shows, is the research shows that when you take a group of people and put them in a structured coached program, they get much more results than if they work out on their own. They, they've done that. There have been different studies that have looked at it from that standpoint. 
because if people work on their own, they're not comfort. They're not. They don't get to that point where they push beyond their comfort level. Yet, if they're coached, they get they get encouraged to, to, to stretch. Would you agree with that? I there's a, there's a for the most part, I'm like all for all for programs, but I am a huge proponent of auto regulation. And I know that you talked to my husband, David, about that, about training with biofeedback. And there is an element of auto-regulation to that huge element. And there's a 2010 NAN study that, that I, it got some really interesting uh, results. And I know that that was about, that was on collegiate male athletes, I believe, but they did better with auto-regulation than like following this mapped out ahead of time plan. And I think that that's in part due to the fact that you don't show up to the gym the same way every single training session. In fact, you sit, you show up completely differently. And so by and large, you want to add a little bit more, add a little bit more, but you also need to do it in ways that respect your body on that day. So yes, programs, coaches, and as part of that, and you know this, you know this um, as being part of a big coach, is adjusting the program on the fly based on how your athlete or your um not non-athlete shows up in the gym on that day. Do you agree with that? Well, totally. Because if, if, if you showed up one day and you had, you had a deadline and you had to meet and yeah. you, you got four hours of sleep the night before and you're, yep. you're motivated, you're there. Yeah, exactly. We've all been there and we've all had clients there. My job as a coach isn't to push you hard that day. Right. My job is to shift gears and down regulate you yeah. and give yeah. you what you need for that day and give you say, Hey, Jen, you're here. Great. You made the effort. You know, we had structured this today, but let's do a mobility. Let's do something body weight today. Let's just, let's get you moving. Let's not, I'm not going to stress you right now because you're not in the condition to do that. And I think, I think you're right. I think a lot of people out there don't realize that sometimes it's okay to go a little bit slower. Would you, was that something Uh, that you've seen? hundred percent. hundred percent. The type of movement you need on any given day is going to vary depending on, and you said it yourself, I'm not going to stress you because all, you know, exercise is stress, even if it's the exact right kind of stress that you need. Um, but if your life is super stressful, chances are you don't need this like super stressful workout that day. Well, and I think that's when you, when you look at it, cause that's been, been a constant theme of, of some of the experts I, I get a chance to speak with in this format is we talk a lot about recovery and rest. And I think one of the mm-hmm. messages that I want to get through in, in this podcast and with what I try to do is that it's not all about killing yourself, you know, for years. Oh. I mean, you know, we're, we're of that generation that came up in fitness mm-hmm. of, you know, it, pain is weakness, leaving the body, you know, yeah. no pain, no gain. And, you know, when you were competing, when you're playing for the national team, were there, I mean, I'm sure that before a competition, before a tournament, there are times when the, the coach would say, look, guys, we're supposed to train today, but just, you know, take off. You yeah. know, what, what do you think, I mean, what role do you think, you know, that recovery plays in a program? And do you think that a lot of people that are fitness enthusiasts don't take recovery seriously? I mean, you just said it. Like, really, that was the most leading, perfect question of my life, because I can just go, yeah, what he said. <laughs> but I mean, it's just because, because what you've seen when you, and I guess to ask a more open question, when you've been working with top athletes, doesn't how everybody works out the same, but isn't how they recover. Isn't that what that makes a difference between how you perform on game day or, or at a competition? The difference. And, I, and I'll, I won't stick to just athletes, but I'm saying like anybody who is truly, because in the reason being is like sometimes athletes, they're too specific in their, in their function, right? They're, they've gone too hard toward a very specific goal 
and they may be more likely to break than somebody else. So let's just say like the person who is most well-rounded and most in touch and in tune with their bodies, like they tend to know, they tend to have been the people who own up to the fact, and it is a fact, that you have to take responsibility for your own level of fitness. And that means not placing the locus of control over what you do on a given day into somebody else's hands. Meaning that you, like the people who are the, probably the healthiest and, and most well-rounded, like they can go into the gym and they can say, my program says this, but I know that that's like, it, that's not going very well today. So I'm going to shift to this instead, or I'm going to take a rest day because rest and recovery is huge. And I think being able to own that journey is like such a huge piece of the puzzle. And it's really tempting to, as coaches, be like, I'll tell you what to do. I know best. But the truth is not that. <laughs> the truth is, is the client knows what's best. Like, in yes, you have, you have to be there to, to guide um, on form and on even sort of teaching like what like an appropriate amount of effort is. You know, with some people you come in, like, that's all personality type. Like, because you've got, you've got athletes and, like, there's a really common theme with elite athletes. They go to way too hard in the gym and they, like, do tend to fuck themselves up. Can I say that? Beat themselves up. Yeah. On a, and then you've got other types who are, like, the nervous Nellies. And, like, they're, you know, with them, you're, like, handing them bigger weights. Sure, do a little bit more. And I think that that's where the art of coaching comes in. Like, you know who you're dealing with. There isn't this pat answer about like, you must take X number of rest days per week or you will be toast. It's like, it depends on your sessions. It depends on your activities. It depends on, uh, how far along you are in your, in your fitness journey. Well, and I think that, cause that kind of goes into the next question I want to ask about the fitness industry, because I think as people that work in the industry and you and I work in slightly different areas, I mean, you, yes, you did work for a large health club company for, for a while, but now you're kind of on, you're in this weird little, you're not quite directly in the commercial fitness industry. Mm-hmm. You're not outside of it. You work in this tangential and it's not weird, but you just work in a tangential area of it. And the one thing that I love seeing is when somebody, I teach group exercise classes and I try to give people in my classes permission to if you want to skip a rep skip a rep yeah but if you start a rep i want you to finish it you know but i do yes. i do explicitly yeah. give them permission love to if, oh, you, if, if, if you if you want to skip it skip it i'm fine with yeah. that but yep. my expectation is if you start it you finish it and oh my gosh, I like and it. so I, that's just but that's those of us and there are instructors out there like that who have been to a lot of the same workshops mm-hmm. but you know what do you think overall what do you think the commercial fitness industry is, is missing in terms of how how it kind of addresses the overall picture of fitness and wellness. Well, honestly, okay, this is such a layered question because there's tends to be so much fighting between fitness disciplines. Yeah. And I know that you know that from all of the conventions you've been to, like you've, you've seen it, like everybody need, like feels the need to, to battle over issues, both large and small. I guess having come from, the publishing background within a magazine context where we covered a lot of different topics. Um, I got to see a lot of the compatibilities and complements between those different disciplines. And there's, you know, way more, especially in, in terms of like being complementary. You know, in, in other words, the answer is always both. Like there, there seems to be like this pressure to sell within the fitness industry, this exact storyline that you're telling. And it has to be this exact way. And then you also, as part of this sort of tacit, contract you have to disparage the other guys in the process and we hear the air quotes under around other guys like 
because, and this is the scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset that we were talking about earlier. If this potential customer that the X company is, is, is trying to woo like something else in the fitness industry, there's this assumption that that means that they like the other thing instead, instead of you, not in addition to you. And like, okay, so since this is going to be audio only, like, like, please note that I'm like rolling my eyes at this topic because (laughs) I mean, like, have we not come to the conclusion yet? Like as with any topic on earth, that the answer is like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And there are a variety of approaches that can help people reach their specific goals. And like, do we really have to pretend that there is like one way and one Holy grail to do fitness? Like I'm not, I won't do it. I won't do it anymore. And I wish more people would refuse to play that game. And I, and that's so that's that's good to hear because I think my the reason why I ask that question why I try to ask it in different forms of different people I interview is because for the for the poor average consumer out there that doesn't have much exposure they do hear you know they hear this infomercial that this product is the best way they see this article that yeah. this way is the best way this this one person on Instagram their Instagram feed is do my way is the only way and yeah. and there's so much information out there it can be hard to filter it through. And one of the things that we've seen the last few years is that you have all these studios and you have these different studio concepts so that people are trying different things. They're doing maybe mm-hmm. a CrossFit workout two or three times a week. Maybe they're doing a yoga studio two or three times a week. Maybe they're going to a studio yeah. cycling two or three times a week. And I think people are starting to learn that it's all working. And you're actually, you know, you've, you've actually had the health clubs backpedaling to try to create a more studio based experience because yeah. they, they kind of caught them off guard. You know, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't prepared for that. And yeah. have you, as a studio owner, have you, you know, how do you, how do you mindfully position, you, you know, the movement? I, you know, I know and you've kind of stepped away from the day-to-day operations, but how do you position your studio to kind of stand out from, from the, uh, from the crowd? Well, I'll be honest, like our, our growth was, it was, it was very steady, um, and very consistent. And it's we, like it, the gym is doing great, but it wasn't this like huge, you know, like we opened the doors, like, and Dave started the gym a, a year before I met him, but it wasn't from the moment he opened the doors that like people flooded in, you know, because there isn't this built in flash and marketing of this, like here's the one way it's sort of like the motto movement is do what's best for you. And that even though we do group fitness classes, even like each and every workout is completely uh, tailored to you, the individual. And that is such a difficult concept to make sexy (laughs) in, in language, in marketing language anyway, because it's like, it's what people hear is like, yeah, shoot. That means I like, so I am an act, like, you're not just going to tell me what to do because just tell me what to do is like, that's the operational standard sort of like, that's I can tell get, you what to do. That's and where we get what, to the blind leading the blind is this is what I do. So this is what you should do. But to your point, yeah. everybody works differently. Right. And like, I, yeah, it, it's, it's so tricky. It's so tricky because the answer, if there is like one answer is that you have to learn by doing like, yes, you can, you know, use sort of like best practices and, and research and like in coaches and you know, all, you have all of these resources as a guide, but that's like, it's not the job of a coach to spoon feed exactly what this person does. It's to teach some skills. I mean, it's like the t- teach, the, teach a man to fish thing. Right. And, and with that, you know, kind of where one of the where's where I want to speak with you about is kind of your experience with weightlifting 
because one of the things that, that you've become um, known for an advocate for is your, is weightlifting that you've now that you have what two two programs right you have unapologetically strong and unapologetically powerful am I correct no <laughs> oh okay yeah but you're close okay um, so weightlifting I don't have if by weightlifting you mean Olympic weightlifting like that is in the works but that is that's not one of the programs I have left I, I mean strength to. I should say strength because oh, okay. you're absolutely right you know weightlifting is, is ollie lifting is, is oh, okay. clincher, but I mean just general strength training resistance oh, okay. training weightlifting Sorry, in general I trying to be nitpicky there no, no, you're absolutely right that you know when we're speaking I have to be mindful of my audience. You know, when generally if I say weightlifting in general, people think yeah. I'm picking up something heavy, but you're well, I absolutely wish right. That we, I mean, why can't we just use it like that? It would be, it would, you know, as a writer, I would really appreciate it because like there are only so many ways I can say lifting weights. Yeah. I mean, and like not get to say weightlifting in any case. Strength training. Um, How'd you get started in strength <laughs> training and picking up heavy stuff? <laughs> my programs right now are lift weights faster, both one and two. Uh, those and those hit an audience for like that. Those are my most popular, and in that, that is because lift weights faster solves the problem that most people have uh, with working out, which is that they don't feel like they have enough time. So lift weights faster divides these workouts into like these super short sessions. Like you can go under ten, under twenty, or under thirty minutes, and every single one of them is organized by exactly the equipment you have. Everywhere from like body weight only to minimal, which is like you know resistance bands and TRX, um, dumbbells only, kettlebells only, and then like full gym. And so that is like the resource for people who are, are looking for just like really great circuits or really great finishers. Then unapologetically powerful is my powerlifting program that I published, um, or that, that JVB's powerlifting program that I published for her. It, she's so good and lovely at holding your hand and sort of walking you through the process. So we've had a lot of success, uh, with women who are, you know, and men, like I, I have men in my audience and they're super evolved, rad ass dudes. Um, but you know, because we talk about periods and underwear a lot, so like they have to be able to hang. Uh, and JVB is good at like walking in, like walking people through the process of learning how to how to do the power lifts and how to get really strong in the power lifts. And then again, lightning and thunders, like that's that's the athleticism program. Um, coming up next is going to be another uh, another a little more general strength program, and then also a hypertrophy program. And I'm pairing with Courtney Thomas on that. So that should be awesome. So you have lift weights faster one and two. You yes. have unapologetically powerful. Yes. And you have lightning and thunder are out. All all of those programs, four of those programs are out right now. Exactly, and that's at like liftweightsfaster.com, unapologeticallypowerful.com. I still can't say that word without tripping. <laughs> I had I practiced too. I practiced for years, and then uh, lightningandthunder.co. Okay. And, and now it's a full disclosure. I've had one of your lift weights faster t-shirts for a long time. And it looks so nice on you. <laughs> it's been a while since I've tweeted it out. My wife has pretty much co-opted it. She tends to wear it a lot more, but I think to the, to your point about evolved, you know, when you get to evolved males, those of us that are married or have been in, um, been in long-term relationships, especially those who work in the fitness industry, we're used to physiological terms. So hearing exactly. people talk, cause that's part of, that's part of the normal physiological process. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've worked with women women who have been overtrained or under recovered and they've they've had a menorrhea and they've lost their period and so you need to be well it's a huge deal and you need to be able to talk educated about it you can't sit there and snicker and chuckle and oh or you know my wife you know we have two kids and and she's gonna kill me for saying this but after post-pregnancy she would sneak you know she she teaches fitness classes and she couldn't teach her jump roping class for a while because it would make her pee 
She couldn't yeah, jump yeah. in me post-pregnancy without, she had to rebuild the strength on her pelvic floor. Yeah, and one of my most popular blog posts was on that very topic. And it's, it's something that like we need to be talking about more. Exactly. I mean, because it's a matter of everything works together and you cannot train your body to be strong, forgetting about your pelvic floor, forgetting about certain functions. Stress, Um, urinary incontinence, real thing. And now as, you know, on that note, as we get older, because one of my themes is how do we change our training as we mature? And I don't know if you've hit, I know you're in your thirties and and you don't need to reveal your specific age. I will be 38. Okay. You'll be, okay. So you're another Leo. Okay. So, Yeah. yeah. My wife is Leo. I'm a Leo. Um, oh but, my gosh! So many lions in your household. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes for interesting, yeah, interesting uh, conversations yeah, to say I the least. Can imagine. But but with that, how have you changed your how how have you noticed that your body's because I noticed when I hit 35, I'll be 44 this year. When I hit 35, that's when I started to notice that my recovery took longer. Yeah. That it, you know, I had to start changing instead of going hard three or four times a week. I started mm-hmm. going hard two or three times a week. Have you started noticing that, and how have you adapted your your workouts? personally to to adapt for that well I you, you hit the nail on the head like when I turned I, it was early 30s I ended up retiring from rugby I think at 31 is that right um because I was starting to really feel like I couldn't recover again in time for the next you know training sessions and and even like you know practices and game days I'm like I just it was taking me longer to recover and I thought okay so it's time to maybe I after 13 years it's time to transition out of the contact sport and I it was it opened so many doors because I get to try so many new things it wasn't just like you have to train for this specific purpose and so I got to to play a lot and that sense of play is basically imbued in every part of my fitness now like that is that is actually the main goal is to focus on what's fun for me um what's sort of mentally challenging and I love learning new skills and what feels good for my body you know as well as elicits the desired training effect that I'm going for which you know is is on the more muscular side and solid and you know relatively lean and it doesn't like I'm I'm not training I, I I'm not necessarily training for aesthetics um but I have an aesthetic that I would, I would like to achieve, you know, through my fitness pursuits. So they tend to be like, you know, circuit training, sprinting, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, like all things free weights. I really love walking. Like I just, I moved to Philly you know, 25 days ago now, uh, in large part because I love what a walkable city it is. And that's, and that's, it's interesting because we both moved about the same time. And I spoke mm-hmm. with Dave about this is you moved into the city and we moved out. I mean, for years mm-hmm. we've lived, yeah, this is my first time living in the suburbs since I was in high school in all, yeah. Yeah, almost more than 20 years. And my wife and I have noticed, you know, rather remarkably that we're not walking nearly as much. I mean, we used to live near, yeah. right near downtown San Diego yeah. and we would walk to get our kids from daycare yeah. and then take our kids to the park. And it's a different, um, it's just different. I think people don't realize that that type of activity I think is, is crucial. And do you think that that type of activity is often overlooked? In terms of people looking to fitness, because that type of activity, would you say, would you say that's an important part of overall wellness and being fit? Absolutely. It's a little bit of everything factor, but I noticed that my steps are vastly different and I'm moving. So when I met Dave, he had a house in the suburbs. And so I went from um, St. Paul where where I walked a fair bit, but, but not like most Midwestern cities and really anything off the Eastern seaboard is not, they're not really set up for walking everywhere. Um, like if, 
when I moved in with Dave, I'm like, okay, so in order to go for a walk here, I need to like, quote unquote, go for a walk. The walk is the point. Whereas here in Philadelphia, like the walk is just the transportation to get from point A to point B, to get my groceries, to, you know, go to the post office, to like, I walk everywhere. I sold my car before we moved. And uh, so we have like one, one car between the two of us, but it's, you know, it's Dave's and like, I'll use it here and there. I can't, remember the last time I've driven. And oh, yes, I do. I drove two blocks to pick up a new dining room table that I bought off of Craigslist, so I didn't have to carry it the two blocks home, but I thought about carrying it. The oh, I would say you probably could easily carry it. Now, <laughs> how, how liberating was it to sell your car? I mean, how, how much how, did you, was there a sense of freedom? It was, I'm surprised that I wasn't more emotional about it because I, I keep my cars for a long time and I bought this, this is the first car that like I bought, you know, I bought it new in 2004 and I've been with it for 12 years and then it was just time. And I was like, okay, see, see you. I appreciate this very much, but yeah, like I'm, I'm done with the stage at least for a while. And, and it really is. And that's one thing we've already missed in, in, a, in a couple months. And we lived in downtown DC. We lived in downtown Boston and mm-hmm. it really was, we put, I mean, I, you know, we put almost no miles. We put more miles on our car in a month in Southern California than we did in a year of living in, in a city. And it oh, just, I'm sure I, that's not an exaggeration either. Is it? No, not, not by much. No, not, not, not the, the year we were in Boston, we were in Boston a little more than a year. The year we were in Boston had our car. I put, we probably put 1200 miles in a year on the car, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's about how much we would average a month here yeah. in, in San Diego. Now to start wrapping up uh, one, one, uh, one question I always like to, ask people is what do you do outside the gym like how important how do you kind of round out i know you're not just all weights and speed and and throwing things and picking heavy things up what else what else uh, Mm -hmm. kind of how do you diversify your talents and and your interests (laughs) well that's a great question sometimes I, i used to worry that i didn't have hobbies like i had this sort of like i think i'm having a midlife crisis but i don't think that the word crisis is accurate like i feel like it's a midlife like realization or recognition or, you know, creation, because I, like I started, I picked up hand drumming in the last year. I'm like, I'm going to get some hobbies, damn it. Um, aside from that, I, you picked up I, what hand drumming, hand drumming. I, like, I own a djembe drum. I, I like was in a concert a few months ago, a, a, a drum concert. Like I, I love it. I love it. And I, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I need to get some more hobbies. So I'm, uh, going to take an Italian class. Uh, because my husband's Italian and every time we go to any family reunions, I have to be like, what? (laughs) The entire time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take an improv class. That's the other thing I'm signing up for. Aside from that, I'm like super into eating delicious food and like drinking perfect espressos and making them here at home because we've got a really great setup and reading good books and like laughing my face off with friends. And every now and then I still play touch rugby and then I coached uh, a rugby team of my old friends, um, a few weeks ago. And that was really fun. So I'm like, maybe that's another new hobby. So as for whether that time is important, it's, it's critically important. But the thing is like, I, I love my life in the gym and out of the gym because I don't really see a huge difference, um, in the importance between the two, I guess I'm with, like, I'm with my friends and loved ones in the gym, having a good time. I'm with my friends and loved ones having a good time you know, outside the gym well, I think that's um, and also one, by myself. Well, I think that's one of the cool things about being about the type of coach that I think 
that that folks like you and I aspire to be and other yeah. people is that we want to just we want to spread it to other parts of our life. So right. right now you're modeling by moving into the city and now you're saying you're going to walk more. And I know you're writing about it and you're in your blogging. You're modeling that behavior. You're saying, hey, exercise isn't just what we do in the four walls of the gym, right. but you're taking out there. I'm trying to model it with my kids. I'm trying to especially, mm-hmm. you know, I started following you right about the time we had our first daughter. My, my older daughter is four mm-hmm. and my younger daughter is two. And I let them pick up my weights and, you know, I let them you yeah. know, play around and I try to model that because I want them to, to see that exercise is about being healthy and not about looking a certain way or being a certain way. But it just is a part when I ask my daughter, like, why do mommy and daddy exercise? Her, her answer is to, to be healthy because I try to tell her that yeah. I want to be healthy and keep up with you. And on that, I also the other thing I like to ask and then we'll, we'll wrap it up here is what can somebody do today? So you, you've taught I know you're you're. Your focus is on strength training. You do a lot of resistance training, and you really you try to get people thinking a little bit outside their comfort zone. But for somebody listening who is is going through different fitness podcasts and mm-hmm. is trying to find something to, I want to be healthier, I want to start working out, what's something that somebody can do today to be healthier in terms of just what, what what's one little behavior they can start picking up or start thinking about adding to their life that would move them in the right direction towards health? I think the single most critical thing you can do is find your people who are going to be going on this part of your life journey with you, whether it's online or in real life. And these people are your support group. They are your accountability. Um, and they're, they're going to make this process something that you're going to stick to. Cause I can tell you like, Oh, add more fibrous veggies right now. Just <laughs> blend them up. But the thing is, if you, aren't surrounding yourself with like-minded people, you're probably going to end up with, if in that all or nothing scenario with nothing. And I, that, Jen, is, that's the first time I've heard that in terms of surrounding yourself with like-minded people, because taking a step back and looking at that's absolutely true for anything. If you're around people that share the same interests and values, you're going to do more of what you enjoy. Would you yep. agree? Would you agree with that? And I think, you know, in, in, you know, to talk about you and I being rugby veterans, that's for me, that's been a struggle outside of playing. I mean, I just two weeks ago. So my wife thinks I have a conspiracy (laughs) because I took the, we took the kids to the park and they're my, my friend's uh, sons were playing touch rugby. And this was a guy I played for years with in DC. He he lives out here in San Diego too. And we pull up, my wife goes, did you know there's a rugby tournament on today? And I'm like, I had absolutely no idea. Number one, it was sevens. And you've heard me talk about sevens. Um, (laughs) I'd rather watch paint ride. I know. I hope you come around on sevens. No, no. I I, I love watching sevens on TV. I will say that if you're going to introduce people to the sport of rugby, I'm really looking forward to Rio because I think watching sevens on TV is an exciting, is really Mm -hmm. exciting to get people interested. But watching young kids play sevens, not so much, but, <laughs> but it was still fun. And then a week later, we went to a different park and a little, little unbeknownst to me, San Diego touch rugby plays there from 11 to one on Saturdays. And yeah, so I'm, I'm a little suspicious of you right now. No, too. I, I had no idea. Yeah, I, I okay. looked up. No, you definitely have to stick to that line. I, I looked it. up. I go, I looked it up when I got yeah. back. I went and talked to one of the guys and, you know, and my wife's like, I thought you were getting something out of the car. And I'm like, I was, but I need to get information. And they did, you know, it's a, it's a touch group. It's a group of guys, oh you know, God, I'm jealous right now, men and women, but they play touch. But I coached, I coached high school for a couple of years um, here in San Diego. And now that our kids are getting a little bit older, I hope to get back into it. But I really would encourage you, Jen, to, to get in, look into coaching because high school rugby is so, so, so fun. And, and to be able to set the positive, you know, two things, one, you get the kids thinking the positive, the right way, the right mindset. 
and two, you're with the right people. Because that's been the hardest thing, I think, and, and you can yeah. probably agree with me, is that when you play rugby, there's a certain camaraderie of, of rugby people smell each other out in a crowd. Yeah. I mean, there's no yeah. there's no secret that that's it's some, not the actual scent, but there's something no, about. But you know, I mean, it's just there is something about running full speed into other people that yeah, that you. Wrong. You, di- you differentiate, and, and so you're always going to be biased. If you were in a group of people and you met 10 new people and one or two of them played rugby, that'd be who you gravitate towards in that evening maybe um, because they're your people. That's your tribe. And I think coaching is a great way to give back and set the example. And then, because one thing I miss about coaching is I would run sprints with the kids. Because yeah. one thing I don't like as an adult is watching a fat parent or a fat coach on the sideline yelling at the kids to, to work harder. You know, and, and my rule with the kids was if I catch you, you're in trouble because there's no way I should. <laughs> there's no way if we're running sprints, there's no way I should catch you because I'm you know 25 years older than you. But it's setting the example that this is a lifetime behavior, that playing the sport and being active is a lifetime behavior, not just for high school, not just for college, but is a lifetime behavior. So I think how old were, were the group that you coached the other week? No, they were they, I mean, they were not much younger than me my old because I used to play with them they were like my old team it was sort of a reunion tour oh cool I was like no I better not play uh but of course I went in just a couple minutes just of course you always yeah um anyway I my my old club team used to help with with some high schoolers in in Minneapolis and it really was so rewarding and I'd kind of forgotten I had forgotten how that felt because I'd never actually like coach someone through a tournament. It's more like we would, you know, we would come and run some practices for them. Uh, but to see the sort of result was, was really fun. And maybe next time we'll even like have a little bit of uh, preparation ahead of time. Cause this was pretty thrown together. So last minute, but it really is. It's, it's coaching. Coaching for me was so fun. And you get to see the kids pick up the habits that, that you instilled and you get to help them figure out the right habits. And, and there are a couple of kids who I help coach. One's playing at West Point now. Another one's playing at Berkeley. Another one. And that's when you see that happen. It's cool. So yeah. anyway, Jen, I really appreciate your time. Um, JenSinkler.com. What are the other, you, you mentioned a couple other websites. Your, your, uh, well, way- JenSinkler.com already redirects to unapologeticallystrong.com, which is what I think that that was where you were headed earlier with the unapologetically strong. That is going to be my rebrand. Okay. Um, I'm, I like I, I only had ever bought JenSinkler.com as a placeholder, but I really like want to. This is this is a movement. This is like forming a league of unapologetically strong people. So this isn't just me. So and what, is, what does unapologetically strong mean in general? Like that phrase. To me, that means um, both that you're developing both inner and outer strengths. Like it is it is everything that that in, involves becoming fully yourself. And, and people can follow you on. And one last thing, and in, in, in one last thing about social media real quick is mm-hmm. I asked you about this earlier before we started recording because I am very impressed that you and a couple other people out there, I'm impressed with you because you put great social media out there, but you do it in a way that's honest, that it's realistic, and you're showing working out. And what bothers me quite a bit is you get women out there that put it this way, they do it a different way. I call it the pornification of fitness. And I know that you, you've written some stuff about that. How, do you, how does that make you feel as a woman when you see that out there being put out there in, in the marketplace? So I don't get an emotional hit from that. I don't get an emotional hit from those images anymore. I, I very well might have. But there's been all this interesting research that shows, um, and 
maybe, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm off on my like evaluation of myself here, but there's, there's is research that shows that after looking at these quote unquote, um, you know, this, I don't know, sexy fitness images or, you know, ultra revealing, then self-esteem does like take, take a bit of a hit afterwards. Uh, and that's, it's, it's shaping, it's shaping the message about what fitness is for who's watching. And I think we kind of forget who's watching sometimes. And and that's not to say that we need to like always button up and, you know, sexuality is part of being human. And like, I'm actually like super pro sex, but, uh, sometimes when you, when you're trying to get a message of empowerment across when it comes to fitness, which I am like, that's like my focus with fitness, fitness equals empowerment. Because I think that when you develop bodily strength, like that has a way of, of showing up in all sorts of aspects of your life. If you're hinging everything on sexuality, it feels like giving away your power. And like, this is, you know, a long and complicated discussion that as we wrap up, it's not like, okay, well, that's super, I mean, it's basically like, that's super complicated. So let's not totally go down that rabbit hole right now. But in general, like it's, it trades on some of your power, I think. And I, that, that is it. Cause you're, cause with your focus of being unapologetically strong, you're looking as strong from the inside out and you're looking as strong of who the individual is as a whole person and not just one component, which could be exterior. Is that kind of, cause, and I know that's a lot to ask, but just as again, to go back to, as someone who works in fitness, I always just kind of hang my head a little bit when I see those images out there, because if that's what you're trying to use to sell fitness, you're missing the boat because fitness is about being strong from the inside out, not what you look like for guys with your shirt off or for women wearing almost nothing. You know, it's about what you feel like and how fitness makes you feel and not how it makes you look. Is that, is that kind of where you're going with unapologetically strong is the feeling and not the appearance? I, I, I want to be really careful that I don't say it's the exclusion of appearance because there are a lot of different entry points into fitness and a lot of different fitness goals. And I'm not going to say that aesthetic goals are, um, crummy and you should only want to feel amazing. Uh, I'm saying there are a lot of different entry points and yes, they all seem to lead to like showing up more powerful in your own skin at the, regardless of how you get in. And I think that is an awesome answer. I like that because you're being you're being very mindful of of all sorts of audiences. And, and you know, my bias is I just want people I want people to to exercise for the way it makes them feel, yeah. and not for trying to to achieve a certain marketed appearance. Well, what you're on, I, well, I think that like, super suit point that you're making is that as far as who sticks with exercise, it tends to be from more intrinsic motivation like the way it makes you feel. And it's really tough to stick to an exercise program that makes you feel like crap, uh, that it's really so hard to stick to that you have to make all sorts of compromises and, and beyond what is sort of reasonable, um, for you. And that's an individual choice. And so some people's lines are way farther than others and that's okay. I just want to make sure that we can recognize that some people's lines aren't like most, actually I would say most people want fitness to fit into their existing lives. They don't want to make their lives about fitness and either way is okay. But the recognition of that difference is important. I think that I think sums it up. They want people to make fitness fit into their existing life because to go back to your starting quote from Jill is if you make it all or nothing, it's going to end up being what? Nothing. 
and so you got to make it fit to what to what works for you now. Well, Jen, I really appreciate your time, and I know we had a little bit of a you know that's my probably my my end on the technical issue. Oh no, so, so wonderful. Me. <laughs> so wonderful to, to speak with you. So wonderful to have your input. And uh, folks, please take the time to look up Jen Sinkler because you will get a lot out of what she has to offer. Thank you so much again for having me on. conversation with uh, Jen Sinkler. As you can say, as you can see, um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for her. Now, one thing is that we talked about a little bit is we have the rugby connection and there really is a commonality. There's a special bond among rugby players. Like there is a lot of people, a lot of people who play fringe sports or, or sports that may not be in the mainstream or adult club sports. You know, I know people that play other sports or runners that really have a tight connection. But that's one of the reasons why I am such a huge fan of Jen is that she really, um, you know, she really kind of gets, uh, you know, we kind of have the same point of view when it comes to, you know, when it comes to how we do things. I mean, um, as I mentioned, you know, once you kind of start running headfirst into people without paths, it kind of really shapes your worldview. When it comes down to to looking for leaders in our industry, I, I want to make something very clear. It's, it's something you're going to hear quite often on this podcast. I recorded this a number of months ago, and I've been kind of saving it. Um, I kind of was trying to, I'm trying to build the podcast. I've been working, obviously, on audio stuff, if you've been listening to other podcasts. And one of the things that um, you're really going to notice among the people that I have on is nobody really wants to make definitive statements. Jen was very good. Um, Jen was excellent at really kind of not being definitive. She was giving her point of view. She was giving her opinion. She's giving her um, educated answer based on her experience and her knowledge. But she was very cautious and very careful about making it a blanket statement. And you're going to find that the more knowledgeable somebody is about fitness, the more knowledgeable somebody is about how exercise affects the body, the more that somebody really, the more that, that one of the professionals, a fitness professional, cares about what he or she does, the less we are going to make a definitive statement like do A to get B result. That's simply not the case. For everybody listening out there, you're going to have a slightly different reaction to fitness. We can all do the same program. We can all eat the same diet. We can all do a number of the same things. But what's going to happen is we're all going to have a slightly different output. We can control the inputs, but we're going to have a slightly different output because of the nature variability of the human body and how each of us you know, adapts to different, different in, um, inputs. And so when you, when you hear somebody like Jen talk, she is not going to give you definitive if A, then B statement. And, and she really has some very strong feelings about that. And I think that's really, really impressive. And you're going to see that. That's one thing to, to pay attention to. As you listen to other fitness experts out there, and there are a lot of experts out there who I respect, I admire, and, and who I'm going to try to have on this podcast as, as I move forward. Um, one of the things you're going you're gonna to hear from experts like that is that you, they are going to kind of give you a kind of, well, that depends answer. Um, I guess the less that somebody knows, the more definitive they are going to be in their answer. So that'd be my caution to you as a consumer. If you're a fitness consumer, if you're a fitness enthusiast and, and you're saying, okay, what's the best way for me to exercise or the best way for me to do something, be very, very wary of the people say, do it this way. This is the only way because that's junk. You know, that's absolute junk. What we know about exercise is a lack of exercise will cause an early death. If you do not exercise, if you're not physically active, I'll, I'll restate that to say, if you're not physically active on a regular basis, and if you're not mindful about what you eat, and you, you heard me use that phrase a lot in this conversation, if the mindful is just being paying attention, making smart decisions, 
making educated decisions that, that are in your best interest. If you're not mindful about your physical activity, if you're not mindful about your nutrition choices, the one thing we know for sure is that you'll die an early death. That goes without saying. Um, but when it comes to exercise, we don't know. We don't know what the best exercise is. You know, the best exercise is the one that you enjoy. The best exercise or the best physical activity is the one that you're going to look forward to doing. And that might change. Right now, you may love running. You know, in six months, you may love cycling. In six months, you may love indoor cycling. You may love swimming. You know what? It's all good. You know, be wary. Be very wary of any quote-unquote fitness expert who tells you that their way is the only way. As soon as you hear that, your only exercise should be to turn the direction and run. Because there is no only way in fitness. It all works. And what I really like about um, Jen's approach to Unapologetically Strong is that you're trying to find what works for you to make you the strongest individual that you can be. Not only on the outside, but on the inside. One of the things I think that's cool about fitness, that's cool about exercise, that's really empowering about exercise, is setting goals. You know, there's a woman who, um, you know, I heard me refer to it in our conversation. And again, I re-recorded that a few months ago. I ran into her a couple weeks ago at a YMCA, and she was loving the fact she's been following one of Jen's programs, and she's getting a lot stronger. She's trying. She wants to train for a powerlifting competition, and it's cool to see that evolution. One of the things that fitness teaches you is how to set a goal. Fitness teaches you how to set a goal and do the work necessary to follow through on that goal. And again, you'll hear me say that I don't care about what you look like. I really don't. The aesthetics, you know, is secondary. My goal is that I want people listening to this to be as fit as you as you can be. And my definition of fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. So if this is the first time you're being introduced to my podcast um, because you're a fan of Jen Sinclair, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in and listen. Um, I'm really trying to make this educational. My background is as a fitness educator. I have worked with a number, number of amazing people um, in my almost 20 years um, being in fitness. And so what I'm trying to do to you, what I'm trying to do to you, what I'm trying to do for you um, in this podcast is bring some of those conversations that we have. You know, when we have lunch together, when we have coffee together, when we're hanging out together, we have some really cool in-depth conversations that don't always um, get filtered out to an audience. So what I'm really trying to do with, with my podcast is try to bring you some of those conversations about what do real fitness experts have to say. Now, uh, Jen Sinclair referred to a woman by the name of Katie Bowman, who wrote, I believe it's Move for Your DNA. I've interviewed her a little while ago, and that's going to be one of my next podcasts. I interviewed uh, Jen's husband, Dave Delanave, who's an expert in strength training. Um, and that's Again, that's coming up in a future edition. Another person that's coming up is Clifton Har- Harsky, who uh, Jen recently referenced in social media as being one of the top fitness pros. And I have, uh, these are all, you know, I have Dave Delanave, Katie Bowman, and, and, and Clifton Harsky. Um, coming up in, in future podcast episodes. I have a couple other really um, top-level strength and conditioning pros who are going to talk not only about fitness, but how fitness affects the aging process because that's really what I want you to understand. Just because you're in your 40s, because you're in your 50s or 60s or even 70s, the only thing you have to be mindful of as you age is doing what feels right and doing what feels good. We don't need to force ourselves. Fitness is not about discomfort. Fitness, well, it's about creating discomfort so you experience growth, but fitness is something you should look forward to doing. It's not about something you should dread doing. You shouldn't punish yourself with working out. You know, I, I see things, oh, I had a you know, big night out. I'm going to punish myself for the workout day. That's not the right approach, and I'm shaking my head as I say that. That's not the right approach. Fitness is not about punishing yourself for what you did or didn't do. Fitness and exercise is about taking opportunity today. What can you do today to enhance your quality of life? That is what fitness is about. 
Anyway, I'm Pete McCall. This is All About Fitness. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation with Jen Sinkler. Please visit our sponsors, Active Motion Bar, A-C-T-I-V, motionbar.com. And you visit Vicor Fitness, V-I-C-O-R-E fitness.com. And my new sponsor, Skills, S-K-L-Z.com, Skills Fitness Products. Whether you're an athlete, a fitness pro, or an at-home uh, fitness enthusiast, Skills has products to get you moving. So thank you very much. If you have any questions or any uh, feedback, please give them Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. My Twitter is PeteMC underscore fitness. Twitter is PeteMC underscore fitness. Instagram, PeteMcCall underscore fitness. And I'll have some of that down, down in the show notes. Thank you very much for tuning in, and I will look forward to having you listen to a future episode or future edition of All About Fitness.